welcome to this new SESAC podcast of papers from the virtual congress selected by the education committee. And the next paper sounds interesting to us and maybe to you too. And um, I'm together today with Gabor Skalitski from the Semmelweis University in uh, Budapest, Hungary. Uh, such a beautiful place, Hungary. And Gabor, he's, uh, he's the deputy clinical director of the orthopedic department, and he's a member of the education committee of the SESEC. And today we're going to listen to this paper. And the title is Long-Term Results of Non-Operative Treatment of Anterior Glenoid Rim Fractures After Primary Traumatic Shoulder Dislocation. So, so we have a traumatic dislocation, we have a granite rim fracture, and now we have non-operative treatment. And the aim of this study was to evaluate the long-term results and the risk of glenohumeral osteoarthritis in these conservatively treated cases after they had a dislocation and a fracture of the glenoid rim. Gabor. Give us some more insights on the background. So, uh, to go into this paper, uh, should I be honest with you, Robert? Yes, please. Uh, okay, so this is about the conservative treatment of anterior glenoid rim fractures. I don't know how is it in your hospital, but in my practice, I had some cases which I tried to fix with the arthroscope, and I was not really happy at the end because I was not able to reduce it as properly as I, uh, as I wanted to. So after reading this article, I am a little bit relaxed because they say that even if you don't fix it, uh, you will probably have the same results. Now let's go into the details. So the authors uh, evaluated patients with anterior glenoid rim fractures uh, that were treated conservatively. They have found uh, almost 30 patients with a mean age of uh, 48. They uh, did not do any surgical therapy for them. And uh, the follow-up, the mean follow-up time was nine years, which is quite a long time. And then at the end, they clinically and radiologically, radiologically uh, evaluated the patients using uh, X-rays and, uh, and CTs. Now, after nine years, only one patient with secondary osteoarthritis, uh, due to this uh, persistent instability had to have a hemiatroplasty in this nine-year postoperative uh, period, but all the other patients did well. This means that the constant score, the subjective shoulder score were perfect uh, over 90, the constant score, the relative constant score was over uh, 100, and no patient had a recurrent instability or a positive apprehension sign, which is, uh, which is a very nice uh, data, I guess, and it's quite interesting. Now, two patients, which is 7%, showed uh, an, uh, an asymptomatic osteoarthritis, but none of the others had, uh, had osteoarthritis. They also, with the osteoarthritis, had some good function uh, because this osteoarthritis was asymptomatic. What do you think about that, Robert? Well, it's a controversial topic, and I think this is a, a great addition to our uh, body of knowledge, and I principally have to think about it because we fix all these fractures arthroscopically. The only um, criterion was that the humeral head was centered. So after this dislocation, it had to be centered. So this is the criterion. It's not about the uh, fragment size. So you say, okay, let's do an open reduction and screw fixation once the fragment is big or 
let's do an arthroscopic refixation with soft tissues pulled up and fixed with some anchors when the fragment is called. No, they just did only conservative treatment and almost everybody was was good after nine years of mean follow-up. That's great. Sometimes I think, well, maybe we should uh, do a prospective randomized trial, but I... Um, I also do agree with all the uh, all the people who fix these fragments um, because sometimes I think it's a nice way to do it arthroscopically. Yes, but don't you think that we have good results because those patients should not have been operated at all? Yes, maybe. We were told to, to fix every articular fracture by surgery. That, that was how I was taught, I guess. That was how we were told, so... Let's see what they do. We have to listen to the authors. So we we are very excited what they report on this uh, study. Okay, let's listen to them. So welcome everybody to our next session here. And we have the author here with us, uh, who is Manuel Weitenspül from uh, Zurich, from the University of Zurich, the Balgrist University in Switzerland. And we have uh, our well-known shoulder expert from Italy, Paolo Palladini, who is the director of the Department of Shoulder and Elbow Surgery in the Ospedale di Cattolica in Italy. So, Manuel, let me start with the first question. So, a little bit to sum up your study. You treat all glenoid rim fractures after dislocations conservatively, and it doesn't matter how big they are or how much they are displaced. Is that true? Yes, uh, good evening, and thank you very much for the, for the introduction and uh, also for the for the possibility to, to explain a little more about our um, study. And um, about your question, yes, uh, we, we treat uh, these, these fractures after luxation. Uh, we treat them most of, most of the time, we treat them conservatively, non-operatively. And we don't, we, don't, um, we don't have a limit of the size of the fragment. It's like, and uh, we, we don't have the, also the, the displacement doesn't, doesn't matter for us. But the, the important thing that we, we, we have a look at is the, is the uh, centering of the humeral head, the congruency of the joint, uh, the glenohumeral articulation. And um, we are looking especially for after the after post-production, after we, we are looking for the humeral head when it's going with the fragment. And when there's, there's there's a sign for us that it's it's unstable, and um, uh, these fractures we 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 don't uh, we don't uh, usually uh, treat conservatively, but uh, most of the fractures we treat conservatively. And in this series, in this uh, uh, analysis of this uh, of this uh, uh, years, there were like almost none that were decentered with the decentered head and. Uh, and most of them we could treat cognitively. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting, Paolo. Uh, you, I know you did a study on arthroscopic uh, treatment, arthroscopic reduction of glenoid rim fractures. What, what do you think about it? Oh, we have maybe a different experience because uh, in my uh, in my experience, we treated all the patient with a recurrent dislocation after the first dislocation with a, a, a bony bankart fracture. I don't know if you are we are speaking about the same patient because. In our cases, in our series, we have a recurrent dislocation in this patient. We operated all the patient after the two or three dislocation in one month. It is your experience to have even this kind of patient when you have an unstable shoulder. This is even if you have a small fragment, you have an unstable shoulder, the patient 
feel uncomfortable. They feel uh, always instability experience, even if the human head is not going out, if not dislocated. I, I think that maybe we are speaking about two different kinds of patients, patient with a glenoid fracture and patient with a bony bunker lesion after instability. Uh, maybe they can be a little bit different because it's, in my experience, even in chronic cases, after three months, after six months, we have a recurrent instability in this kind of patient with a very big damage of the glenoid, of the cartilage of the glenoid. So my question is, which is the, when you decide to shift to surgery, you, you told us that you decided to do all, to treat all these patients with, uh, in a conservative way. You, you explained very well in your, uh, in your presentation, even the instability, uh, even the rehabilitation process, even how you treat this patient. But my question is, uh, when you decide to shift to surgery, or if you have to, to change your opinion on this treatment, if there are some variables that you can consider for this? Uh, yes, um, I think these are really two different um, uh, groups of patients, like you said. We only had a look here at the first time traumatic uh, shoulder dislocation, anterior shoulder dislocation. And um, we didn't uh, have a look at the recurrent uh, instabilities. And um, if cases like this, if a patient is, is, is fit or if, if he comes with a, a shoulder dislocation, maybe he got a, a recurrent, then of course we, we, we treat it differently. We, we then have a look also at the patient at his uh, clinical uh, uh, examination in, in after a couple of weeks. And um, there are also cases that we treat the, that, uh, conservatively. But uh, if there are signs of instabilities, like uh, positive branch subluxations, then we also do uh, do a stabilization of of, uh, of these shoulders. Yeah, and but these are only this is a specific group for first time dislocators, and uh, we had a couple of patients that we first included. We had a look at them, and then uh, with the uh, with the um, exact examination or history. He, he had also had the recurrent dislocation. And then I think we think that the chances are higher to get another uh, dislocation. Yeah. Um, the question, which recurrent dislocation with the anterior glen rim, rim, uh, glenoid rim fracture we can treat non-operatively is, is, is difficult. We, we, still, we still treat them conservatively first, of course, have a look, but if there's instability, then uh, we would also stabilize them, like, like you said. We are speaking about different kind of people. Do you use an, an external rotation sling or use a normal uh, uh, immobilization? We use a normal, a normal sling, uh, just a, the, a simple sling that we give them. And um, we also uh, we also thought about uh, there's there is a possibility to 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 use the the the, the rehabilitation with a slightly um, external rotated uh, sling or a car uh, a brace like uh, uh, Itoi did the, the the in his paper and he's uh, arguing that the scarring is better for the labrum. But for us, we have a different opinion of the of the of 
mechanism that it will uh, re relocate <laughs> these clinoid fractures. We, we I talked a bit uh, on the questions in the in the on the Congress there. Robert, do you have any questions? So what 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 do you think is the mechanism? You you said the mechanism of relocation. Why do you think do they they remodel so good? Um, with what we what we see what we uh, see after with uh, in these patients, we see a lot of time that they 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 get they get stiff during the during the follow ups. They get a quite stiff shoulder because they couldn't they can't they really move it. They they are not allowed. And then um, what we see quite a lot of time that they have a frozen or a capsulitis shrinkage of the capsula, and they had it. A lot of patients had it for a couple of months, and um, but we waited. We waited for with them. We uh, treated them conservatively, and they resolved in in all of the patients. And we had two or three um, patients. We did MRI as well, and then there was the, the recesses was obliterated, and uh, and we 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 are interpreting this as a, as a as a kind of capsulitis with the with the shrinkage of the capsula, and then an indirect indirect. Uh, uh, reduction of this fragment. That's one one uh, explanation. We we are uh, we 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 think that's the uh, mechanism. And the other is after a while, after with time, uh, that the healing comes, and then there's also remodeling of the, of this fragment when when it's when it's uh, there and the consolidation of the fragment and uh, the remodeling of the fragment. Yeah. Uh, Manuel, a question about the in inclusion criteria. You, uh, you enrolled all the patients with uh, a, centered, a centered human head, not with uh, the center with the dislocated human head or with the human head that is on rim loading on the glenoid. Do you think that the cuff in this second kind of patient that you excluded from your, from your court or patient that you studied is uh, uh, responsible for this? Do you think that the cuff tear in uh, older patient, in elderly patient is responsible for this uh, sort of... Uh, uh, alpha dislocation of the human head. Um, you know, we we exclude them. We had a look, but we first first uh, we found around 120 uh, clenoid rim fractures, and um, uh, and then we had to exclude the smaller clenoid rim fractures, and we also had to exclude in our uh, in, the, in the hospital we had three three uh, decentered tumoral heads, and. Um, these patients actually we did exclude them, but they were very they were older patients and they still got treated conservatively. But they were very old and uh, then we didn't they, they didn't have really a good function. But overall, the the the, the clinical signs of a rotator cuff was very low. And uh, but with, with these very old patients, there um, they they just. They had a bad function also before they had arthrosis before or arthritis before, but we think that because they are also all, all overall this patient cord is quite old. It's like quite old. It's a, it's around sixty years old, and most of the time we think that the the fragment, the fracture, gives gives more space or more mobility when the fracture is there, and the, we we see less rotator rotator cuff injuries compared to uh, dislocations without fractures. Do you think that this uh, fragment, this bony fragment, is going to heal? Or do you think that there is a sort of a fibrous uh, uh, wound that 
fibrous scar that can give you a stability. Because in my experience, when you operate a patient with a recurrent instability with a, a bony bunker lesion with a, with a glenoid fracture, you find that uh, the fragment is not attached, no? is uh, it's not uh, fixed to the glenoid, but it is, uh, is often is uh, you can you can remove just using a scalpel, but not using the armor. So I think that sometimes, in my experience, it's so difficult for this fragment to heal. Did you study some of these patients with the CT scan to see if there is a, a healing of this bony fragment? Uh, yes, we we studied all of the patients with the CT scan in the follow up, and uh, yes, it was it was. Uh, Impressive because all of them healed like uh, uh, you saw it on the CT scan. There was no question that they didn't heal. Um, there was in some patients there was a, a, a irregularity. Most of them they had a little irregularity of the fracture zone, but less than 0 0.5 uh, millimeters. And there was a part of it they had a, a, a small um, um, uh, dislocation still, like uh, three four millimeters, but they it didn't. It didn't. Uh, they didn't have more significantly more uh, osteoarthritis, but I think the healing when it's healing when it's centered and when, when it, it, it heals all the, it healed all the time all of our patients. Yeah, but that's again the, the I think the cohort is for, for this first time traumatic uh, shoulder dislocation when it's like unstable and and uh, recurrent dislocation then uh, the chance like you said. Are high that it won't won't heal and it won't be a consolidation of the fracture. Yeah. Okay. Did you did you stratify the the, the patient? You know that there is one age that is ideal to treat in this way, and one age that is not possible to treat in one. You treat in the same way patient of twenty years old and patient of forty or fifty years old. Do you think that there is a, a more chances to heal in a young patient or in a old elderly patient? That's difficult to say because um, our patients they were a little bit older. They, we I think we had maybe we had one patient who was 27, but that was the youngest. And most of the patients they were um, like 50, 60 years old. And it is a, a typical fracture of the of the middle age or older older uh, patient and um, we didn't see it in the in the in the young patient uh, in the very young patient there that we only did a small hip fracture the ideal patient is me the ideal patient would be yeah the ideal patient is me 50 years old just running two days a week nothing else yeah um, also i think also me if i had it but it's very rare that i get a, a big nice glenoid fracture that will heal by itself so you are more lucky then uh, robert i have a couple of questions too if you have something to ask um well i am interested in if there comes a patient with this type of fracture so you treat them conservatively that's clear for you now because you have so good results and you have perfect remodeling but you said that it's going to take some time. They get stiff. You have to do physiotherapy. About what time are we talking here? What would you say the patient? How long would it take him to recover? They usually they recovered after a couple of, of months. After 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 the three months, they start to move, and then they uh, they uh, experienced this for three four months. There was one patient. He he explained me 
uh, that it was uh, then he he was explaining me it, because it was it did it wasn't noticed in the in the in the follow-ups uh, because he they, they finished the follow-up uh, after after three four months and then in the clinical follow-up after after uh, after these years he told me that he had quite a long time of uh, of uh, stiffness and um, but he told me it was like maybe one year but there was no other patient that had a, such a long history of stiffness most of them resolved a couple of months later but, but you consider that stiffness can be a part of this kind of uh, treatment you, you you speak with the patient about this that if we treat in this way you can have a, a stiffness period that you can solve yeah we think that's uh, also uh, a part of the of the shrinkage because we see sometimes we see the fragments they are very medial of the glenoid uh, rim and then they are five six seven millimeters medial but they 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 are pulling laterally over this time of period of the, after the six weeks after the three months even after six months they get they, they pull out and um, that's uh, we also see this with the with the with the uh, uh, capsulitis or with the with the stiffness a bit of the patients and after a while they they start to resolve again yeah so so would you think you would be faster if you would do that arthroscopically in comparison to your conservative treatment i think they, they with the with arthroscopically you will also get the risk of of uh, capsulitis and um when we see the the external rotation in in our patients they were identically in 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 both both of the shoulders and um, when we see it in the arthroscopic shoulder, I think we have less less uh, range of motion in the external rotation because of the increased scarring through the through the surgery. And uh, maybe over over this couple of months, maybe this uh, this uh, because it happens to almost all, all of the patients, this will uh, this will lead to a longer rehabilitation. But after after the uh, it, it heals after the control after the capsulitis is, is gone and then they have a very good range of motion similar to the other side around the, they were quite good they were about like 50 60 60 degrees uh, altogether Manuel another question you have one case that you treated with amyotroplasty yes in this case you you speak about osteoarthritis due to a recurrent instability because the patient has still uh, recurrent instability and, uh, and you treat this patient nine years after the, uh, the, first, op- the, the first trauma, the first le- lesion. Yeah. Are, are you sure that this kind of patient is, uh, uh, is, this is the results, the consequence of uh, the dislocation or the fracture of nine years old? It's very, very long time, eh? Yes, yes, that's a very long time. I was also because in my experience, if you have uh, osteoarthritis after dislocation, you don't have any more uh, dislocation in this kind of patient. When you have uh, arthritis after uh, dislocation, usually your your shoulder becomes stiff and arthritic. Yeah, this this patient, I was I was looking at his uh, history as well and the, the surgical report and and. Um, he had a little bit of, of everything. He had the prior uh, rotator cuff injury that was uh, was reconstructed. Uh, he didn't have a, a cuff injury at the time of the injury, but still he was 
it was uh, uh, his cough was not like like uh, normal and then he had some signs of osteoarthritis as well and he had some signs of clinical of instability and um, he was also an older patient and then the, 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 we decided they decided to do this this hemiarthroplasty uh, because intra during the surgery the, the cartilage was still still uh, all right and then 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 the, the, this this treatment um, if we if we kept, could have also done a, another uh, a total shoulder atroplasty I think we could have discussed this with the patient, but um, even after this time, he's, he's, uh, he's functioning. He's functioning his shoulder. He was not a very good function, but he was he was happy with his, his shoulder. Thank you, Manuel. I think it was really interesting. You're welcome. Yes, beautiful. I I um, I'm very impressed because I think many uh, shoulder surgeons do treat them surgically. Uh, if we see large fragments and if we see them after dislocations, we tend to do arthroscopy and just to put them back. And uh, with your study, um, we have to question this because um, the interesting thing, at least for me, is that the capsulitis and the stiffness is pushing the fragment back to its place where it heals and remodels pretty well. So... Thank you very much to both of you, to Manuel Waldenspiel from Zurich, and of course to Paolo Palladini, who is the head of our education committee. So thank you very much, and I hope to see you soon in life and in person one day in the future. Yeah, I'm, yes, I'm still here. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I was I was waiting for you. So yes, I, I completely uh, agree with you. So. Uh, after after this uh, after this podcast uh, probably we should we should rethink about uh, what we have learned but i have i agree with you that, that if there's a if there's a fragment which can be fixed quite easy uh, with an arthroscopic way uh, i personally feel i don't know i i can sleep better even if it if it is not an evidence based data but i can sleep better if i have made a good fixation but let's see let's see how it works on the longer term yeah this beautiful study from switzerland um, gives us a good momentum to think about uh, treating fractures conservatively and gabor i'm uh, i look forward to meeting you again Yes, I will be happy to be on board again. Thank you, Robert. So thank you very much, Gabor. It was nice having you here and uh, I hope to see and hear you soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Robert. So this was the SESAC podcast on long-term results of non-operative treatment of anterior glenoidrum fractures after primary traumatic anterior shoulder dislocation with the author Manuel Weitenspül from the Balgrist University in Zurich and our SESAC expert today Paolo Palladini from Italy. My name is Robert Hudek and I was together with Gabor Skolicki from Hungary. I hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening.